what is love? Please sit comfortably. Whatever induced me to choose this uh, Khan uh, for a 20-minute talk in the afternoon in the face of Anna Karenina and Anthony and Cleopatra and the vast literary and psychological uh, uh, corpus that comes down to us, I will never understand. Um, but this will touch quite lightly uh, in this vast and oceanic uh, human territory. Heat is a shared matter. We take it terribly personally, but it is a shared uh, matter. Don't bother the heat. Uh, let it take everything away. Well, what is love? Uh, we all get to experience, uh, I think without exception, uh, conditional love, unconditional love, true love, false love, love as lust, lust as love, tough love, tender love, not forgetting cupboard love. And I wonder, given the diverse forms of love, if there can be any encapsulating Khan with love as its thing. We mostly think of love in human-to-human -human terms. Um, you know, love of family, love of friends, love of partners. Um, but what about love of animals and their love uh, for us? Also, what about those forms of love that go out beyond uh, the love of individuals uh, and individual creatures? And those forms of love that animate service to other people. Um, and to other beings. Uh, service to the planet, that love. Uh, what of the love that fosters and is fostered by artistic creation? Well, whatever the profusion of forms of love, um, there's no getting away from its importance. Our experience of love can be uh, a path to realising our true nature and can be an intimate expression of it. Like this, love's intimacy uh, with reality as a whole uh, is entirely intertwined. Romantic love. Uh, well, it's all about choice. Uh, uh, one person to love and cherish, uh, one person who will fulfil our needs, one person who will complete us. Uh, we want to get the person that our heart desires. Um, this is the, isn't this the essence of romantic love? Where our heart settles on one person alone, or at least wants to. And that exclusivity of love uh, is beautifully suggested by Emily Dickinson in her poem, The Soul Selects Her Own Society. Uh, it was written in 1862 when she was 32. 
The soul selects her own society, then shuts the door. To her own, to her divine majority, present no more. Unmoved, she notes the chariots pausing at her low gate. Unmoved, an emperor be kneeling upon her mat. I've known her from an ample nation, choose one. Then close the valves of her attention like stone. You know, this, maybe this is romantic love, or maybe it is also vocation. It's hard to tell. It, uh, the, the vocation of a spiritual journey, and this is not separate for Emily Dickinson, the vocation of being a poet as well. Um, but this is uh, choosing one and one alone. One person, one path. I don't want to sugarcoat today by calling it love. It's a bit rich in a hot afternoon like this. But here we are devotedly practicing and deepening the way together. Although our practice is intensely solitary uh, and silent, at the same time it is deeply communal. There's a wonderful paradox uh, at the core of all of this. We sit and we face the wall, we don't talk to anybody, and we cut our communications to the absolute bare minimum. Um, and most of it's geared to remaining in silence. You know, that's what most of the ritual, uh, a lot of the ritual support is to be able to maintain silence. Uh, and yet we connect really deeply, and we connect with people who we may not otherwise connect with uh, at all, and we, we deepen the way uh, together. The, you know, it's utterly personal, and yet at the same time it's a completely shared matter. Um, that sense of we're, we're all in it together. Uh, a visitor came to the Zen group of Western Australia in the old days and asked, uh, can I just come and watch? Can I be an observer? I said, no, you can't. <laughs> no, you can't just come and watch. The whole spirit of this thing is participation, nothing but participation. Uh, it's, I didn't read him a lecture like this, but the, this, um, <laughs> it's a meeting ground uh, for each and everyone. We deepen together. We deepen each other, we deepen ourselves, uh, we are deepened uh, through sitting with others. I've said it a lot of times, but you know, sitting alone makes you strong, sitting with others opens you up. We include it all, even as we are included in ourselves. And I want to ring, read uh, Bridget Lowry's poem, um, which conveys this very beautifully. It's called In, In the World. It's not only the sense of being in Sazenkai or Sashin, but all of us sitting um, in a way beyond the margins of space and time together. 
In the strange early morning half-light we sit, in the cloudiness of our questioning we sit, in our madness and our clarity we sit, in the midst of too much to do we sit, in the warm arms of our shared sorrow we sit, in community and loneliness we sit, in sweet exhaustion we sit, in the blazing energy of being alive we sit. Here with the singing crickets, here with each electric bird song, here with the rippling of breezes and the dry grasses, here with the cobwebs and the clouds and the dusty road upon us, us in the sound and the sound in us, us in the world and the world in us. Encompassing uh, the great way itself and our shared participation in it and it in us uh, it even as us uh, bodhicitta ancient notion uh, is the intention and the urge to liberate yourself and others and indeed all beings. Uh, our love of the way, uh, which is bodhicitta, uh, draws us into a long relationship uh, with it. Uh, it's that love that at the beginning, um, when we first encounter it, we come and sit and there is something mysterious that just draws us in. It's unnameable. Uh, but that impulse and moving with that impulse is bodhicitta. Um, I always think of it as a little bit like, um, you know, the, the teenage, doesn't probably happen anymore, but you just have a flower, you know, like a, and pluck a petal and say, uh, she loves me, she loves me not, she loves me, she loves me not, uh, and around the flower. And, oh, he loves me, he loves me not, he loves me, he loves me not. It's kind of like that at the beginning, you know, kind of, oh, my, my zazen is no good, I'm not getting anywhere, you know, I'm not sure I've made the right decision coming to do this stuff, and on and on, that kind of thing. But when you stay and deepen uh, into it, um, it's unshakable, it becomes uh, unshakable. This, um, it's, it becomes devout. It's such an unfashionable word, uh, devout. But it's deeply related to the word devoted, uh, to, uh, through 13th century old French and Latin uh, are related. So to be de devout is to be devoted. And uh, the only use I've heard of the word devout in the last 10 years is from a piano student of mine who was a doctor. And uh, he... Um, came for his lesson and for his opening lesson and he said, he was sort of talking about himself, he said, I'm a devout atheist, he said. Which is <laughs> kind of wonderful conjunction of devout. And then he said, uh, um, you know, he said, because I'm a doctor, you know, I work with, uh, I work with bodies all the time. Uh, you, know, the, uh, you know, people get ill, they, they die, that's it. Uh, he said, but then there's the human spirit. Um, <laughs> So, you know, it's something to explore, even if you are a devout atheist. And, 
along with learning some bark, we had quite interesting conversations about all kinds of things. So our devout devotion to the way is like the devotion of ocean to beach, earth to sun, fire to brushwood, house to ground, mother to child, child to grandfather. This is the expression of it. And we do the practice regardless. This is the regardless way. And to support the regardless way, we have rituals. Um, here we are in one. This is the encouragement talk on the afternoon of the Zazenkai. Many rituals that make up Zazenkai. Uh, the, the word ritual evokes the fear of giving up our freedom. A bit like devout ritual carries that sense of lack of freedom. And it's, you know, the common feeling in the culture all cultures probably these days, is we think that freedom consists in doing whatever we feel like when we feel like it. Um, and then sometimes that is freedom, you know? You get a measure of freedom. Great to walk, wake up in the morning and realise we don't have any tasks or duties for the morning and we can just go for a walk, uh, spend a little bit more time over coffee and feel free in doing that. But freedom, uh, in terms of Zen, is also found in meeting our circumstances exactly. And uh, this wonderful expression, forgetting ourselves in the act of uniting with the circumstances that are to hand. And our lives present endless opportunities for this in the most humble and simple of tasks. Um, I like to tell the story. It's a true story, but an unlikely story. Of, um, or my example rather is, uh, you know, being, you know, when you sink blocks, and uh, you have to get that the elbow joint, and you have to get the spanner and get the the um, the nut out <coughs> of the elbow joint, so you can let whatever is blocking the sink out. And I can remember being sort of trying to lie down inside this when I was slimmer. Um, lying down inside the cupboard with a spanner, trying to get that. But also that sense of complete engagement with the task of getting, uh, getting that nut off so that uh, you can uh, free up the sink. Um, there are myriad things like this in our lives, and we find our freedom there in the most confined and constricted of circumstances. Uh, William Blake wrote that uh, without contraries, there is no progression. Uh, contrary, you know, without, uh, without opposites, without that taking on of, uh, of a dilemma, for instance, there is no progress, no progression. So here today, uh, each of you is uh, boundlessly vast and yet uniquely particular as you sit there. Uh, confined uh, by skin and skull. Um, uh, struggling uh, in what is traditionally called our skin bag of the body. And yet, at the same time, uh, 
boundless, uh, all-inclusive. And maturity in the way is, is to take on both of those and to live them both. You can't do that by sort of intellectually juggling them, but slowly, 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 as the way deepens and develops, uh, they are both there, uh, interacting uh, together, no other than each other. Boundlessly vast, yet poignantly mortal. Dogen said we must uh, leap clear of the one and the many. So that opposition, which is you, you also step through and leap clear of that. He also said you should go forward and backwards and leap beyond the vital path where other fathoms other. I am not going to unpack that today, but there it is. Uh, Blake, in one of his contraries, what he calls contraries, uh, and it's a fine con. Eternity is in love with the productions of time. Eternity is in love with the productions of time. The timeless is in love with the productions of time. Uh, when you fully enter the moment, uh, you may have uh, four o'clock not written on it. <laughs> it may be four o'clock, but when you enter it fully, it is without limit. Uh, it is essentially uh, timeless. So how do you embody uh, eternities in love with the productions of time? A student of the way offered the following Khan concerning our relations with others. He wrote, uh, we spend so much time trying to get away from others uh, so as to avoid the pain of relationship, only to find that the other that one has been trying to get away from is no, none other than ourself. Isn't that the, the dilemma of love and attachment? We're driven about by our fear of love and by our fear of pain of relationship. We take up the path of avoidance to protect our vulnerable heart and our vulnerable soul. The Buddha said, the one who loves suffers, which is not a reason not to love. But to love is to suffer. Comes with the territory. At the same time, to honour the student's Khan, uh, there is freedom in aloneness. Uh, when we are alone, and even if we are burdened by our separateness, our aloneness is still a vehicle for the way. Those others, blue sky, uh, clouds moving across it, uh, the brilliant light pervading here, convey us perfectly, nothing missing at all. I think like almost everybody when I was young, I was in love with romantic love. 
which probably playing too many cocktail ballads at the Hilton would have reinforced this, uh, this notion, surely. <coughs> With AH, I've come to see love as mortal and a, a little more conditional. Um, for all the purity of heart and sacrifice, there is often uh, a trace of taking advantage of the other and being taken advantage of. It's kind of built into relationship. And with love deepened by age and experience, this is accepted both ways. Think of the deals in relationship that are struck. I think it's okay. <laughs> it's conditional, but kind of not at the same time. Sexual love or plain lust is mostly the easy part. To endure the difficulties of a protracted relationship without giving up on it, to accept the other as who they are, and to endure the loneliness and bitterness that often lie at the heart of ageing marriages and relationships form one of the hardest challenges that we may face. And yet with the breakup of a long relationship, the things I most missed were those I used to do for the other person. These were things that the time when we were together may have felt merely dutiful. Picking them up from work, for instance. This is not to say I didn't miss the things that were done for me, but the feeling of love, its lightness and uplift, its simplicity, lay chiefly with what I was able to offer in the time of the relationship. This is not to say that getting our needs met is unimportant, and it's hard to imagine a viable relationship where this can't happen, at least somewhat. But the truths of love lie deeper than merely getting what we want. In some measure, when we attend to the other person, we lose our self-preoccupation, and with that, over time, and without our wishing or willing it, there comes a measure of release and lightness, a joy that cannot be gainsaid. This has got nothing to do with feeling or being virtuous or good. Even the depths of what is broken, there resides love that, light and gracious, feels free from the vicissitudes of time and circumstance. So in relationship, uh, in friendship, in family, uh, who is the other? Indeed. Uh, after his awakening on seeing his face reflected in a stream, he was crossing Dongshan Road. Today I am walking alone, but everywhere I meet him. He is now no other than myself, but I am not now him. him here is no word for this it could have could have been her could it be it could be um, it's the universe it's the vastness today i'm walking alone but everywhere i meet it it is now no other than myself but i am not now it completely unique, uh, and yet uh, boundlessly vast. 
the way moves as it will. We make our plans, but life and death are inexorable. It's fortunate that we don't know the hour of our death, that it's a mystery. Uh, that, that prevents us from trying to control it and from meddling with it. We don't know how long we have, uh, so it's important uh, to make use of the time that we do. So Zenkai is a precious opportunity. John Tarrant, uh, translating the poem of Shittas that we uh, chanted earlier, um, the concluding lines translated them as, You who seek the way and brightness of the day and shadows of the night, don't throw away your time. Just this, just this. <coughs> So what is love? 